So uh, I come with uh, really good news. Artem, Sophia, Joseph, and Svetlana will be arriving here in Fort McMurray tomorrow, Monday at 10.55 p.m. So yeah, we need to raise a little hallelujah about that. It's awesome. Now what I want to do this morning is I want to combine my message and offering talk and just telling you the story about how we got here. For our God is good, he has been at work, his finger is just all over this, but it has been a challenging journey. Last week we got started on a series in the book of Jonah and we're going to put that series on hold for a week. But there's a verse in Jonah chapter 2 that sounds a bit like what the Bandurko Kasinsiva family have been experiencing. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Friends, our God has been listening to the cry of the Bandurko Kazansiva family and our cries on their behalf. But let's start from the beginning. On February 24th of this year, Russia invaded Ukraine with the intention of quickly uh, overrunning Ukraine and bringing it back into the Russian Federation as it had done with Crimea back in 2014. Russians began their attack the next day on Melitopol on February 25th and after four days of shelling and fighting, Melitopol fell and became under Russian control. The neighboring port city of Berdansk came under siege on February 27th and fell shortly after. Melitopol, you will remember, is where Ivan Fedorov, the 33-year-old mayor, was kidnapped by Russian forces. I mean, that made headlines all over the world. Melitopol is also the city where Artem and Sofia Bordanko and their seven-month-old son Yosef come from, along with uh, Svetlana Kazantseva, Sofia's mother. Artem, Sofia, Yosef moved to the port city of Berdansk to assist with a church plant there. Artem was a supervisor at a supermarket in Berdansk. As the Russians moved in, Artem's stepfather went to get his family out of Berdansk and back to Melitopol. They initially worked at evading Russians as they were on the advance, but to get into Melitopol, when they got back to it, they had to get through a massive line of military hardware and troops. Russian troops did allow them to get back into Melitopol. But the situation got real bad real quickly. You could get into the city, but not out. Store shelves emptied, the Russian military were all over enforcing military law. And because of these quickly uh, deteriorating conditions, Artem and his family made the decision that they just needed to escape their now Russian-occupied city. They made several attempts to flee, only to be blocked, and on one occasion uh, uh, confronted by soldiers at gunpoint and told if they made another attempt to leave, they would be shot on sight. We're giving you guys, like, no more warnings, try this again, and you're done. So despite those threats, they made another attempt. And with help from uh, our partner church in Warsaw that you saw in the video, Christian Fellowship North, what would normally be a 1,600-kilometer trek from Melitopol to Warsaw became a 3,500-kilometer trek. And for just under four months now, the Bandurko Kasinsiva family have been living in a single bedroom in a home owned by Christian Fellowship North in Warsaw. That home is packed full of Ukrainian refugees. Uh, as a side note, Artem and Sophia's pastor in Melitopol is Pastor Dmitry Bordio, who is on my right, your left, in this picture taken in Calgary, I guess about three weeks ago. 
He was arrested by the Russian army two days after the Bandurko Kazantseva family escaped Melitopol. Prayers for Pastor Dmitri went up for him worldwide, well, especially in our alliance family of churches. Government diplomacy was engaged, and Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in California got involved. Eight days later, uh, Dmitri was suddenly released for no apparent reason and told to go home. Prayer works. But what he discovered was that he was still under some form of maybe house arrest, or at least he was under continual surveillance. He realized that he would need to escape in order to be better positioned to help churches and pastors he works with in the Ukraine. His movements in Melitopol were restricted. Everything he did was monitored. He couldn't do the work that he needed to do if he stayed in Melitopol. So Dmitri and his family took a similar 3,500-kilometer trek to Warsaw. And Pastor Dmitri is now working with and mentoring Ukrainian pastors and, and, and getting aid to them from his base in Warsaw. In that picture, uh, on your left is Christoph Zariba, the pastor of Christian Fellowship North in Warsaw. This church has just risen to the challenge of serving Ukrainian refugees. Churches in our church family, the Alliance Canada, including Fort City, have given close to $1.2 million to support the work that they are doing. The next guy in that picture, uh, on your far left, is uh, Jonas Tolipolo. He's a bit of a media guru. I don't know the whole story, but his media and television business ran into some sort of facilities challenge entering into the pandemic. He and Pastor Christoph got thinking and praying together and they came up with this very unique partnership between church and business. The main auditorium or sanctuary of the Christian Fellowship North became this big television studio. I think close to a million dollars was invested by this business into upgrading the facilities of the church to accommodate what they do. And when the pandemic hit and just kept going, the church was in a great position to professionally stream their services. This partnership of church and a media company was an amazing gift from God. One of the projects of this company is a streaming TV station called Ukraine 24. You, you can find it on Google. It's mostly a news and documentary station. When the partnership came together, the church negotiated to get six 90-second spots every day on Ukraine 24 that were culturally relevant, sharing all about faith in Jesus. They are producing every day these powerful snippets of God at work in people's lives and now stories of God at work in the midst of war. They are convinced. I, I listen to them just talk about the, the power of these 90-second uh, snippets and, and that they're actually far more powerful than any 30-minute uh, sermon. So first, you, you have this partnership that so blessed Christian Fellowship North in Warsaw during the pandemic, allowing them to stream professionally when things were shut down. And now they're positioned to serve during this time of war. The impact they're having on Ukrainians is huge. And, and while we wrestle with God, I mean, I do. I, I, I wrestle about living in such a war-torn world. And we pray that God would bring peace and not allow people to be so evil, so wicked to one another. But the truth is, we live in this sin-wrecked world where Jesus promised there would be trouble, a lot of trouble. But in this trouble-filled, sin-wrecked world, God turns up. He turns up over and over again. Just like he did in the story of, of Joseph in the book of Genesis, 
Many of you will remember his brothers wanted him dead. But one brother came up with a compromise, just throw him in a pit and leave him there and we'll, we'll let God determine his, his destiny. But then they saw some foreign travelers in the area, some Egyptians, and they got the bright idea to sell them into slavery, make some money off of this guy and convince their father that he'd been bald by a bear or some wild animal. If you know the story, you know that Joseph rose to leadership in Egypt. Eventually, his brothers, not knowing who he who he was had to bow to him to get some food during a time of famine. And here's what Joseph says to them when they find out who he is. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many. And that's what's happening with Ukraine 24. When you look at the timing of all this, you have to say only God, right? Only God could orchestrate this. And the number of Ukrainians finding faith and, and God's loving help is huge. And can I add that God would do that for you? There may be some evil circumstances, tough, bad stuff that you were up against. Our God can turn that around for good. Yeah, your circumstances is not good. It could, in fact, be downright evil. But God can, can take the circumstance, that evil, and, and use it for good if you will trust him in the darkness. Okay, let's get back on track with Artem, Sophia, Yosef, and Svetlana. I felt really personally agitated by the war in Ukraine and was wrestling with God about how we humans can be so evil, how, how we can be so violent. The stats right now are 12 million Ukrainians have been forced out of their homes and have been forced to relocate, and 5 million have left their country. God, Lord, God, how do we, how do I make a difference when millions of lives have been displaced and millions more are losing their lives, I was deeply unsettled. It was in a time of anguish and prayer, Thursday, March 31st to be precise, when I, when I sensed God speaking to me. You can make a difference in one family. You can help one family. As you care for the Alkarnaki family from Syria, it's time to care for another refugee family. The word was clear. Very clear. Now, as you know, this last year, the pandemic has been a tough year for finances here at Fort City. It's, it's been a pretty, yeah, pretty drastic year in some ways. Yes, things have gotten better, but we're still not quite in a, what I would call a long-term sustainable position. We're moving there, we're getting there, we're praying for it, but it's been a tough go. So let me just thank all of you who've been rising to this challenge. Some of you have been so sacrificial with your giving. Your step of faith has had a huge impact. So thank you. Thank you. And I say all that not just to encourage you to keep giving, but because this is where I started to push back on God. God, how do we bring a family from the Ukraine when our finances are weak? I mean, is this not irresponsible when we're not in a really strong financial position to do that? Do you ever argue with God? I do. And he wins the argument, usually, right? Every time. In this time of wrestling and prayer, God threw at me what I call my life verse. It's from the book of Proverbs. You've heard me quote this many times. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Ah, and there's that word, submit, right? What do you do when God quotes your life first back at you? You lose the argument and you take a step of faith. So that night I prepared a written proposal that would go to the refugee coordinator at Christian Fellowship Northern Warsaw saying that we were prepared to bring a family to Fort McMurray and support a family for a year as they learned English and got integrated into Canada. I gave a bit of a description of who we are as a church family and the city that we live in. I sent that through a guy named Bill Finnamore, an international worker with our Alliance family of churches who came out of retirement to coordinate Alliance, our church family's compassionate response to Ukraine. It was actually late in the evening that I got agitated to write this proposal and, and I had it finished by 12.30 in the morning on what is now April Fool's Day. Was I being a fool? Maybe. Maybe a fool for Jesus, hopefully. But at 12.30 in the morning, I sent that proposal out. Nine hours later, I got an email and a phone call from Bill Finnamore saying, we found your family. Nine hours later. When my proposal reached Warsaw, Sophia Resnick, one of the refugee coordinators, read it over and immediately knew in her heart who God would have us help. Yeah. It happened that quickly. Nine hours caught me totally off guard. I mean, God's timing is perfect, right? Or is it? Because from that point on, everything slows down. The promises we had from the Canadian government that this is a process that would be quick, maybe would all happen in a month, but that month stretched into three months, almost four months. We were promised that not having a passport would be no problem. We were to discover it was a big problem. More on that in a minute. At this point in time, I do want to pause and thank several people. I want to start with our prayer team and, and Blair, who just did the heavy lifting for us in prayer through all of this. And Blair, we need your team to keep praying, right? Yeah. The process of, of working with our government and particularly immigration, refugee and citizen can, citizenship Canada was just arduous. It was tough. I mean, IRCC was overwhelmed by the crisis and the promises made by our government. IRCC did not have the infrastructure in place to handle the magnitude of what was going on. Yes, they did send over 200 to 300 new staff to help process refugees in, in Warsaw and other parts of uh, Europe. But... How does a medium-sized operation all of a sudden work with 300 new employees? It was a mess in the making that became a mess in reality. And at the same time, they kept changing the rules. Here at Fort City, John Tupper took on the legal and administrative challenge of working through this process. John, thank you, thank you, thank you for being so tenacious. Yes. And I want to thank him for, because he's got more to do. And uh, so I want to thank you for your ongoing hard work through all of this. We just wouldn't be where we are without John. He has been awesome navigating us through this process. And there are so many other volunteers we need to thank. But yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight John. And, and then another word of thanks needs to go to our member of parliament for Fort McMurray, Lac Labiche, Leila Goodridge, and her administrative assistant, Debbie Moses. Man. Did they ever go to work for us? I mean, here's how it went. 
When everything would ground to a halt, as it seemed to always do, John would contact Layla, and Layla's office would contact IRCC, and mysteriously, in about 24 hours, the next step in the process that had ground to a halt would get completed. This happened on three occasions at least. Things would ground to a halt, John would contact Layla, Layla's office would contact IRCC, and the next hurdle would be overcome. It was so, so awesome. It was May 12th when the three adults got the email visas with work permits that they needed to come to Canada. Yosef, however, did not. Yeah, that thing about no problem if you don't have a passport, it's a problem. And because Yosef did not have a passport, we have to get what's called a single journey travel document with a foil stamp that's just like what you get on a regular passport. And you have to do all of the work that you would do for a regular passport. Take a look at this uh, video clip of Layla Goodridge in Parliament talking about uh, all this. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Fort City Church is working to bring a family of Ukrainians to Fort McMurray. Good news, the parents and grandma have now received their travel documents from immigration. But the family still can't come to Canada because their six-month-old, Yosef's paperwork is still being processed. My question is simple. What is it about a six-month-old baby that scares the minister? Yeah, I know there's politics all over here right now, but anyways. I just want to say thank you, Layla, right? Um, and, and as you know, Canada is doing such a great job at processing passports, right? And it, it seems like uh, processing a single journey traffic doc document takes even longer than a passport these days. So once again, we go to Layla because nothing is happening. And once again, we get some action like in 24 hours. On June 10th, the document for Yosef is printed at the embassy in Warsaw and sent to the visa application center across the city in Warsaw. But there we just wait and wait and we're told, just be patient, just wait, it's coming. And we hear nothing. On June 27th, I encourage Artem just to go to the visa application center and ask them, where is his SJTD? He goes and he asks them and they tell him, we don't know, we never got it. The embassy in Warsaw tells us that they sent it. The file is closed. They're done dealing with this family. And when Artem goes to what is called the VFS Global website, where all his online stuff is, it's gone. It's been shut down. They really have closed his file. So things have now gone from bad to worse. Layla's office is also telling us we can't push anymore. And my guess is that Yosef's papers got sold on the black market for uh, um, child, um, yeah, anyways. That's just speculation on my part, but yeah. There's a lot of problems there. I contact a friend that I know personally in IRCC, but um, he went and connected with the IRCC Ukraine team in Ottawa, but they won't let my friend have any access to the Ukrainian files. They won't answer any questions. I tried. My friend tried from inside real hard. Door closed. Finally, we, we get word that the IRCC office in Ottawa has asked to have the processing of Yosef's papers expedited. The problem is, as far as the embassy is concerned, it's already done. No need to expedite what's done. We've hit another wall. This past week, I was in Edmonton at the General Assembly for our church family, the Alliance Canada, 
And on Tuesday, I helped to facilitate a session where two pastors were teaching on power release through intercession. And a lot of it was about how to uh, hear God speak. And one of the speakers talked about when we get burdened to pray for someone or something, that is God speaking. Those burdens we get are God at work that we need to take those burdens seriously and, and pray. And when a burden lifts, you're done. And yeah, I've, I've had burdens to pray before. So have many of you, right? Just that sense that you need to pray that, friends, that's God speaking to you. Well, next day, Wednesday night during worship at assembly, I got a big time burden to pray for Artem and this whole document process that Yosef was going for. It was a big burden to pray. It would have been about 4 a.m. Warsaw time, 8 p.m. our time. So I just sat down, tuned out worship and prayed. I don't know how long I prayed, but there was a point where the burden just lifted. And I got this sense, you're done. Your prayers have been answered. And it was at this moment I got a huge sense that we just had a breakthrough with Yosef's single journey traffic, uh, tr travel document. But you never know till you know, right? You know what I mean? Did God really speak? Was this really a God moment? I, I go to bed that night totally intrigued and excited by this experience. I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I just have to check my phone. Has anything happened yet? And sure enough, sitting in my inbox is a message from Artem. He forwarded me an automated message he got when he woke up at 7 a.m. from the Visa Application Center saying, we have an envelope waiting for you to pick up which contains the decision on Yosef's visa application. They don't tell him that he's approved, just that they have an envelope that'll tell him if he's approved or not. I step out on a limb and assure Artem that this is the document we need. You, you hate to say God told me, right? But I had this overwhelming sense that this was it. Thursday morning, next day, I wake up to a picture on my phone of Yosef's single journal travel document that was reprinted by the embassy on June 27th. It, it took them a whole week to get it from one end of the city to the other. I don't understand that, but now they can come to Canada. Hallelujah. And why did God burden me to pray on Wednesday night? Because he wanted to let me know, and really all of us know, that God, that he's been a part of the process. That prayer is a part of the process. It's been a battle all the way, but the battle belongs to the Lord. But the story continues. Now I start to look at flights. Um, promised flights from the government, and everything, they don't exist anymore. But, and just to add to it, you know, flying right now is pretty horrific in the Western world. And right now you need to avoid going through Toronto and many major European cities. Well, we did our research, or I should say John did our research, and found flying Lufthansa to Frankfurt was the most secure first step. It's almost uh, twice as expensive, though, than other options, thank you, John, because everyone knows these guys have the best track record. We also discovered that there were very few flights uh, available with Lufthansa of any reasonable price for the next month. So then I found this flight for this Monday with only a few seats left. Otherwise, I might have to wait two, three weeks or more. It's now midnight Thursday going into Friday. I've been online for over an hour and I'm ready to book the flights. The research is done. Let's go for it. I go all the way through the process. I go to pay and the Wiesel portal shuts down. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. Eastern time. And guess what? 
I hit the Rogers outage. I didn't have a clue that's what it was. And I try, and I try again, and spend more and more time, and I'm getting nowhere. Finally, I get, back, get online and, and go to book again. And uh, 45 minutes to an hour, my Monday flight, sorry, I'm making it. My Monday flight has leapt astronomically in price. It's just not due, it, not, it didn't quite double, but almost. And I go, isn't God good, eh? Where are you, God? Right? Ever have that conversation with God? So I rewrote them. I'm not very happy. This is not ideal. I do manage to get the flight paid for this time. Apparently, they managed to get Visa working, but not debit. Um, I didn't have a clue what was actually going on until later in the morning when I actually looked at news. Actually, I didn't look at news. John told me what was going on. I hadn't even looked at news yet. So after booking the flight, I refresh my webpage one more time, and a flight based on the original flight turns up with a more acceptable price. Not an ideal price, but more acceptable. And so I book this flight, cancel the other one, and it's, it's on what I believe and have been told is probably the best option of all the routes that are out there. We'll find out, you know, shortly. Um, so tomorrow morning, Artem, Sophia, Yosef, and Svetlana leave Warsaw at 6.30. That's 10.30 tonight, our time. They fly economy to Frankfurt, and they have a five-hour layover. In light of how bad airports are right now, five hours is good, and as bad as connections are, this is good. The Frankfurt airport is not as messy as Toronto, but it is messy. Just pray that no flights get cancelled and that their bags don't get lost. <coughs> Next, and there's a bit of a premium to do this, but heck of a lot less than what I got shown after I got bounced off of the webpage. I hate spending extra money. Some of you will understand, but it's part of making it all work. You do what you have to. Plus, we're determined that they will not fly through Toronto. Right? And uh, so I wrote them from Calgary, from Frankfurt, on what uh, Air Canada cause, cause calls business low. Um, so I said, business low, low-class business. What is a low-class businessman? I'd never seen it before, but in the end, I didn't care if it'll get the family here, and we'll take it, and, and they'll probably have a slightly better uh, flight experience. They arrive in Calgary at 3 in the afternoon. They have over six hours to get through customs. That should be, yeah, they've cut the number of flights to Fort McMurray down, just to make this part of everything. So they have six hours to get through customs. This should be enough time. And, and let's pray that someone speaks Ukrainian in customs, but we do have a, a Ukrainian lawyer on call should things get complicated. And then they fly economy class again from Calgary to Fort McMurray on a wonderfully cramped Dash 8. They won't know what hit them, but anyways, they will get in tomorrow night just before 11. And hey, you're welcome to come out. I know, it's far too late for most of you, that's why I'm inviting you all. And um, so I don't think they'll be overwhelmed, but the more the merrier. You won't get to shake your hand or, or talk to them. They'll be exhausted. They will have been flying for 24 hours or flying and coming. And, and we'll have them out to church next Sunday, rested and ready to connect. But yeah, if you want to come, please come. Maybe some, we, we got one welcome sign, but I, I wonder if any would make a big welcome sign for them. That would be so cool. Friends, it's been a wild journey so far. 
hurdles all over the place. But God keeps showing up. God keeps busting through the hurdles. What's going on? Our God is teaching us. He's teaching me. He's teaching all of us about the power of prayer. Through each hurdle, we have learned to trust in Jesus. Okay, remember I said that this would also be an offering talk? I have an ask, really a couple of asks. Would you help us cover a number of unexpected costs and work at supporting the family for up to a year as they get settled in Canada? The good news is, the miraculous news is, you guys and your friends and your multiple projects for fundraising have given the 75000 that was originally budgeted to support the family for the year. But we've decided that they need their own vehicle. We've spent a little more on flights than anticipated. We decided that the apartment we originally looked at wouldn't work well. The committee thought that I was too frugal. They're probably right, but... And then throw in inflation. Yeah, and I start to sound like the government too, costs going up. But anyways, we could use an additional 20, maybe even 25,000 to make this year work really well. So maybe you could help. Maybe even if you've given to the fund, you are now in the position to help a little more. And then you do remember, we started this project at a time of huge financial uncertainty for us as a church. Would you just remember to continue to support our general fund, especially in the summer when attendance and giving take a bit of a, a drop? I'm just praying that God will honor our general fund as we step out in faith with the Ukrainian fund. Will you be part of that answer to prayer? And most of you know how that works. Um, if not, I'd love to let you know. Anyways. You can give online, fortcity.info. You can give at the welcome desk or at the box at the back of the auditorium. Friends, I believe God has called us to help one family, that the way we can make a difference in the Ukraine is to make a difference in the life of one family. I believe that God supernaturally led us to the Bandurko Kazantseva family because I believe God's got one great future for them. I also believe that we've gone through all of the hurdles we've gone through so that we could see God's hand at work. I believe that God wanted our whole church to feel these hurdles so that each one of us would know that in your own tough times, when you face hurdles yourself, God will get you through them. He will get you through. And I'll close with this. A father comes and pleads with Jesus for the healing of his son. This boy has been afflicted demonically and everything about his life is, is wrong, is tough, but he has a father who loves him and hopes that Jesus can do something. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, if you can, will you heal my son? Listen to this reply of Jesus. If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. Friends, Thank you so much for giving. Thanks for donating the stuff. The townhouse is full and ready for them to come. Thanks for serving. So many of you have been a part of this in so many ways, and you will continue to be a part of this as we continue to walk with them in the months ahead. Thank you. And what have we been learning? What has the Bendurko Kaz and Siva family been learning? Everything is possible for one who believes. So will you join me for prayer? Lord God, in this sin-wrecked world we live in. You are at work turning darkness into light, redeeming evil for good. Thank you for your love for the Bandurko Kazantseva family. 
Thank you for walking with them through all of the hurdles that have followed their life-threatening escape from the country they have loved and called home. We pray for their journey to Canada tomorrow, really tonight. Give them your peace. Take away their anxiety and replace it with confidence that you are at work. Would you, God, bless this journey? Allow the planes to travel as they should and on time. And even in the midst of a shortage of airport workers, would you ensure that their luggage arrives safely and intact? And for us here in Fort City who love and follow you, help us to hear your voice and step out in faith when you speak. Help us to trust you in the dark. Help us to experience your provision when we're in the midst of loss. Thank you that we can bring all of who we are to you and experience your loving, healing concern. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.